Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. Welcome to Talking Design. I'm here today at RMIT University in Melbourne and I'm with a very interesting man called Ian Wong. He's a communication coordinator in industrial design at RMIT and he's covered so many areas in industrial design and in the broader design area. So thanks so much, Ian, for coming in today. Absolute pleasure. Maybe I'll just introduce you uh, by saying that, well, I think it's interesting that when people think of design, they think of Mark Newson, they think of expensive chairs and very um, beautifully crafted interiors. But that's not, you know, industrial designers work across a gamut of of projects. Tell me about some of the things that industrial designers do because I don't think a lot of people are clear exactly what they do. Yeah, I think it's very important that what uh, that reflection because particularly from an Australian perspective, you know, Australians are very famous for sort of fixing things with barbed wire and all that sort of stuff, being very, being very pragmatic. So whilst Mark has been incredibly successful um, globally, there are some amazing achievements by local designers, whether it be in an agricultural setting or whether it be in a child safety setting which really are world-class and, and demonstrate the capability of the designer. But they don't tend to get the media attention. Absolutely not. So every time you walk up to a stoplight and go to traffic, cross at the traffic lights in Melbourne or in many cities in the world, you'll be pushing a button designed by um, one of RMIT's first graduates, Carl Nielsen, and that little button you push um, you know, helps people who are uh, hard of hearing, or, and, and it's all to do about a, a piece of universal design. Right. Okay, so what are the, you're actually, uh, you have an expertise and a name in agricultural design. Yeah, Tell I me grew, a little bit about your background. Well, I grew up in Shepparton, and Shepparton's where SPC is, the, the, the global fruit brand, and also where Furphy tanks come from, the, the tanks that were famous in the war. Um, so I came to Melbourne uh, on a work experience opportunity through my careers teacher, and when I first walked into RMIT Industrial Design course and saw renderings of cameras and those sorts of things, I fell in love with the opportunity to perhaps design products of a global nature. Um, obviously um, interested in vehicles as well and those sorts of things. But the, the link between my rural background and growing up in the country and my career was I attended a field day um, to look at a piece of machinery I had previously designed and then I was employed by one of Australia's largest agricultural equipment companies. Uh, Sylvan um, is a $50 million turnover company privately owned. So unlike Dick Smith and other entrepreneurs, the owner of, of Sylvan is not so widely known. But his contribution as a manufacturer in Australia, most farms would have Sylvan products on them. And I've been very fortunate to design products which many farmers use on a daily basis. Like what, Ian? Well, the, the small ATV, which is a four-wheel motorbike, is a common, it's almost as common as a horse now on a farm, and a number of implements to do with agricultural spraying. And, and also um, farming equipment is serviced by diesel, and on a huge acreage, you don't have a petrol bowser you can drive your tractor up to. So these units that I've designed, which are diesel transport uh, transport objects, are effectively like a petrol tank or a, a petrol bowser that sit in the back of the ute. Right. That's fascinating. What other things have you designed? Um, I've worked on brain scanning equipment, so I've had the opportunity to design um, equipment which will scan your brain. As design manager at Outer Space Design Group, I've had the opportunity to work on medical equipment like sleep apnea equipment um, and see some very, very uh, innovative work with regard to um, um, op optical um, cataract surgery and those sorts of things. Um, 
I've also designed the mace for RMIT, so a ceremonial mace which is used as part of their um, graduation ceremonies. And that was a very different project because it was to do with the the sort of history and heraldry of the procession and, and the idea of a mace being the protecting object. So it was much more a piece of jewellery or much more a piece okay. of aesthetics. Much of my other career work has been of a much more pragmatic nature. Ian, how does the process begin? Does the client approach you and say, look, we've got a problem, we need it to be addressed? Or do you come along and identify a problem and say, look, picking fruit's actually quite complicated and quite labour intensive. I can do this for your business. So how does it tend to work? My experience has been um, I'm, I'm commissioned by a client. So I may approach a client and talk to a client about the possibility of assisting their business. And in, ca in the case of the fruit business, that was the case. Um, and I, my initial project with EDP in Shepparton was to develop a, a next generation of their product. But they then we then had deep, detailed discussions and out of that became a world patented uh, potato sizing equipment which is used for um, sizing potatoes at very, very high speed and it's also used for sorting oysters. So when oysters are in the ocean, you need to regularly grade them and this piece of equipment successfully sorts um, one size oyster from another. In a sense, Ian, being an industrial designer is highly complex and you have to know about so many different businesses. What, you know, for people contemplating a career in industrial design, what are the type of, um, you know, qualities you need? I think I think you're absolutely right about the diversity and and the the whether you're designing a washing machine one day and a baby capsule the next, you are challenged by different requirements. I think that the key that most people would need is an, uh, a desire to solve problems and, and a, a curiosity, a real and, and a curiosity in three dimensions. So someone who uh, it's often talked about an industrial designer as someone who'll pull the lawnmower apart and put it back together or will um, love to construct something out of matchsticks as a child, paper, making paper planes and those sorts of things. So a paper plane is another good example. Someone who delights in taking a piece of paper and actually playing with it and seeing the okay. joy and actually trying to perfect it as well, trying to actually yeah. achieve a particular type of performance. Another important characteristic, I think, also is just visual spatial uh, awareness and appreciation, just being able to to uh, appreciate form. Now, there's a fascinating exhibition that has been um, uh, shown at the Design Institute of Australia uh, in Burke Street for the last few months. That's right. Called Orange, and it's unfortunately it's it's heading into its last days, so. Um, uh, you won't be able to see it for a while, but I thought it was fascinating. It's called Orange, and when you walk into the uh, Design Institute of Australia's office in the foyer, all these products from your past come back to you. Things like blankets, lights, um, desk lights, all in orange. Uh, there's a Featherston chair. Uh, there's all these wonderful things. You've and the the interesting thing is that Ian, you've all, you've collected all these things, bar the Featherston chair. Tell me about the exhibition and what started it. Look, it's been a lot of fun, Stephen. The, the, the opportunity to collect the orange things came out of my general uh, collection with regard to my PhD. I've, I've, um, uh, my collecting began with a collection of Olivetti typewriters. I, um, I initially started just grabbing anything off the, off the hard rubbish and, and trying to sort of assemble some sort of collection. Then I became quite specific and I've got 37 Olivetti typewriters which mostly were designed by Mario Bellini. Um, so why Olivetti? Well, because that, in, in addition to Philips, um, internationally Olivetti are regarded as 
uh, one of the companies which have had a passionate commitment to industrial design and that the owners of the business and the various designers who've worked for them. Gordon Andrews. Absolutely. So the, the opportunity for, um, uh, for my passion, I was also influenced by the fact that I was taught at RMIT by Dari Didiana who had worked at Olivetti and taught me particular skills with regard to foam modelling and things. So that was a link. The other thing I love about Olivetti is it's about um, aspiring to um, design at a high level with regard to um, the collaboration with engineering and the collaboration with other things. You, know, you push the key on a, on a typewriter and the mechanism has to work. The, the person using the typewriter has mm -hmm. to uh, be a very functional piece of equipment, but the successful integration of the beauty and the aesthetic is something that, that they achieved. Every what day. else is on? In, in, in terms of the orange exhibition, what, what I was able to do, when I go to op shops and things and collect these things, I then started to focus on orange because the 70s in particular as an era, we'll, you know, we sort of tend to look at, from a history point of view, things that are in our immediate past. And for me, I grew up in the 70s. So our house had orange things in it, orange chairs and things. So I was fortunate in my collecting when I had the choice of one object or another to pick orange. So when I was invited by the Design Institute to put on an exhibition with regard to to um, the history of design, I focused on that 70s period. Mm -hmm. So we've got um, Bill Eagleton's Planet Lamp, we've got um, very famous um, uh, Prince Philip Design Award winning kettle by Barry Hudson, we've got work from Decor, um, uh, Hall of Fame designers like Philip Smood with the automotive work in the Taranas and the Monaros and things. Um, the classic Bicky barrels from the 70s and I was interrupted mm -hmm. on the um, a platform at Richmond Station recently when I was carrying one of these objects and this lady had to stop me. She, she physically stopped me and said, those things were fantastic. They kept the biscuits so fresh. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the passion that I have is that this is our local history. It's not something that someone in New York would be interested in at the moment, someone in, in London, but you know, we celebrate our footballers. We know who played in the back pocket for Collingwood in 34. But who did play in the book? I don't, I, I'm sure I can find a book, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who have written about it. But, but it's that notion for me that, that our design history and the, and the, the people who have worked in our field, um, we, an opportunity for me to reflect on that and try to bring it a bit more to the fore. I don't think we'll ever compete with the fans of Collingwood in terms of the passion, but um, I'm enjoying the opportunity to put it out there. Um, Ian, what's so nice about these exhibitions is when people walk in, the first thing they say is, we had one of those, but we threw it out. And I think it's fascinating. It's, it's a regular comment I hear when I see exhibitions from the past. People say, I had that, but I threw it out. Obviously, you have to have foresight to be able to collect the right object from the right time. What do you actually look for? Well, I think I think it's it's a mixture of me trying to collect things which have particular either cultural or or um, design history uh, significance, mm -hmm. but also I think from my point of view, it's about the people. So knowing um, the work of someone like Brian Davis, who is the the uh, owner of the business decor, and he has given me a good access to his archive. And then because I'm aware of that archive, I've been able to collect those objects. Mm. And similarly with the, the Lionel Suddy family, they've given me access to their thing. So RMIT's design archive um, is something that I've been very fortunate to be a collaborator with. And what we're seeking to do in that organisation is to um, be a, a recipient of the actual archives mm. from designers. So Philip Smood, the first Australian head of Holden, um, was very generous. I was at his home interviewing him uh, a couple of years ago and I left the house. I felt sick getting to the car with these things but he gave me a, uh, about 200 drawings all rolled up 
and 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 he said, "You just take these. These are very important. You know, they should be archived." Yeah, and it was just so exciting and exhilarating from my point of view. I still remember putting on the white gloves when I got back to RMIT archive and unrolling these things. Philip had not even looked at them. Like he'd given them me without mm. even knowing what he'd given me. Huge responsibility. Oh, and and it's it's a joy to. I mean, designers are very humble people. I think in in terms of. Uh, our profession particularly, they're, they're team players, they're people who have worked in an environment where it's a collaboration. And as you said, a lot of the people working in these design areas, it's not glam, no. so people don't read about it. The other thing I was interested in, you've started, you're working with, you haven't started, but you're working with uh, Professor Harriet Edquist at RMIT University. Uh, in the design archives. Tell me about that. Well, the design archives, as I said, um, we're very fortunate. Um, RMIT at the top of Swanson Street will have a brand new building for our design archives. It's designed by Sean Godsell? Correct, correct. And it's just a, a wonderful commitment by the university to um, the history of design in Melbourne. Um, and as I said, the Philip Smoot archive, um, the work of Jared Herps and others are already... Jared Herps was a textile designer. Absolutely. And, and a luminary really in terms of education in Victoria. RMIT has one of the oldest industrial design programs in the world, but Jared's particular influence on people like Philip Smoot, who I've mentioned, Richard Carlson, who's done all the work and is the most mm. um, recognised uh, in terms of design registration and patents for industrial design in Australia. Um, they're um, personal archives uh, uh, are intended to be housed in this particular facility. And will there be permanent exhibitions or yes. rotating exhibitions? we're very, very fortunate to have a, a, a gallery space or a very small sort of um, uh, window space that fronts on to um, the spine of mm. Swanson Street and then there will be um, uh, digital archives as well as the physical archives. So it's a very, very much a public space, it's not intended to be um, uh, purely a university facility. Obviously the researchers in the hub and other places will have access to. And what areas, Ian, will you be covering? Well the archive will cover architecture, fashion design, textile design, industrial design, interior design, so the broader spectrum of design professions. And there's that connection to RMIT? Or? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So someone who's, who's the work's showing, they've either lectured or... They That's the primary collection focus, absolutely. Right. Oh, how exciting. And when will that be open? Um, I'm, I'm Next year? Next year, yeah, sometime right. next year. The building's certainly well underway. Um, I think we've covered quite a lot, Ian. Um, I've got on my list Holden. Yeah, look, I think the, the, the relationship between um, industrial design in Melbourne and Holden is a, is a very, very important one. Automotive generally is very important, but um, the uh, the commitment that Holden have shown to education of designers, um, my role as communications coordinator at RMIT has seen some very, very recent acquisitions of um, the latest technology with regard to the way students will work in a thing called the Wacom Lab and very, very recently a thing called the Inkling, which means that you can literally draw on a piece of paper and it'll go straight into your computer. Um, that has been driven a lot by our collaborations with Holden and the opportunities for our students to work at Holden. Mm -hmm. So it's a very strong collaboration between RMIT and industry, which again is something that um, our Vice-Chancellor is pushing with regard to the capabilities for our students. Mm -hmm. um, what do you find personally the most challenging thing about designing? I, on your own projects? I suppose there's a couple of things that I, I personally value very much in my career. One is the interaction with individuals, you know, the capacity to the person who wanted to design that, that high-speed potato machine assist to have that become a reality. 
or as I mentioned, the baby capsule, you know, someone has the potential, given a brief, to actually achieve something which is world-class and will be sustainable. Um, the fact that um, you, when you sit down to design something, you seek to design something which will be fit for purpose and will also have longevity in, in our built environment. They're not just another chair. Absolutely not. So, so like I said, to, to design a beautiful door handle that, that will always be something that you will... Or someone who's got arthritis. Absolutely. And um, the uh, medical equipment is another area which I've, I've very much enjoyed uh, being involved in, trying to make sure that there is opportunities for um, greater health outcomes for people is very important. Well, one thing that I find very important, and it's probably missed by the broader media, and it's obviously important to you because you've had this exhibition, Orange, is design history. And I think it's something that's ignored all the time. And when you see that lovely little exhibition orange you actually see the connection to today and how designers are actually going back to that period and using that those fluid lines and the color orange as though it was a really contemporary idea and i think that's design history it's Absolutely. about borrowing from the past and and what's interesting in that area is that is that some of the known movements like deco or other things are, are well documented in memphis perhaps in memphis the, in the early 80s. 80s but but you know things like just purely the color orange in melbourne you know mm. whether it be the laminex bench tops or the use of orange in in your kitchen appliances and things it may not be described as a movement but the nostalgia around it suggests mm. that we actually understand it. No different to understanding um, something like an ACDC song or um, um, Skyhooks Living in the 70s album or something. We have a, a direct connection to it. Ian, why do you think there's such little emphasis placed on design history? Is it because people like to uh, um, think that they come up, they came up with the idea or that everything they design, you know, is the most important thing or it's completely fresh? Why is it that we continually ignore design history. I mean, you're not. You've got, you're working very closely with Harriet to, with these design archives. You've obviously been collecting for years. You have that eye and that. But why is it that the media don't give history the credit it deserves? Um, I don't know that I really know the answer to the mm. question, but I, but, I, but I would say that I think we often have perceived that it's other people's history that's interesting, so that we actually look to Olivetti or we look to um, Eames or something for our cues, for our, our understanding of the history of design. But in reality, if we look at, say, Australian rules football as an example, it isn't anywhere else. So we can be passionate about it and we can look for the excellence in it. And what I've tried to do in my research is to look at the excellence locally and to look at the Holden designers and look at um, the designers for decor. I mean, every child's lunchbox contained a decor. You know, we all drank out of those things. And even the capsule, the baby capsule, Absolutely. which has come 25 years old, is still used every today. Victorian, every Victorian has gone home safely in that, and, and millions of, of, of um, Victorians you know, have experienced that product, the babies underneath the dining table when you're at a restaurant. And, you know, that even links to our culture of going to restaurants, you know, BYO and all that sort of stuff. And the other thing, Ian, is that a lot of uh, Australian design has made huge impact overseas, like the wine cooler. The wine cooler, um, uh, the, the innovation with regard to, and the link to our uh, excellence in, in the production of wine. The um, power board is another product which many people wouldn't recognise. Frank Bannigan, a, a Melbourne uh, entrepreneur, put power boards literally into a piece of wood, but it was industrial designers who turned it into the product we now know globally as a power board. And also the little kettle, when you uh, get a cordless kettle, 
all the the central spigot on a on a cordless kettle was designed through an RMIT project with Chris Ryan and Jerry Mussett, um, looking at how um, kettle design could be improved. And that subtle innovation, which was only one of the features of that project, has now become a global feature on every kettle anywhere in the world. Ian, look, thanks so much for coming in today. It's been a pleasure having you here. And it's a shame that Orange is uh, packing up. But there'll be other exhibitions, I'm sure, at the Design Archives that people can enjoy in 2012. And look, thanks very much for coming in. Look, it's a pleasure. Okay, thank you. And you've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thank you very much.